Was this nice? Great help to worship God, right? I love the colors and different instruments. I just want to welcome those who have come in anew, who were not able to make it here yesterday. Can you identify yourself? Just wave if you're here for the first time today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Just to get you up to speed, a a very brief summary of what we have been looking at yesterday. Um, Our our theme, discipleship for the whole person. Yesterday we tried to unpack it a little bit um, by considering discipleship is not just an IQ thing, an intelligence thing. We've come from a place, I, I have come from a place where discipleship was a lot about knowledge about learning, about understanding the Bible. And behind that is a perspective that maybe was rooted even in the Enlightenment. If if you have knowledge, you have the power to choose, and that means you can change. But we've learned um, that it's not just about knowing, it's also about emotional, the emotional side of who we are, about... um, trusting about uh, surrendering in that area uh, about um, actually the two prime motivators of that that part of who we are are joy and loving connection and so we considered that yesterday that if we want to be disciples or be disciplers that maybe it's important to start there because several people like Jim Wilder, Dallas Willard uh, have taught us that That process in the brain goes a lot faster than the IQ side of who we are. So in order for people to understand or in order for people to even receive what we want to teach them, uh, they need to first be welcomed and first be uh, first feel that loving connection and uh, feel the joy of someone when you come in and you look someone in the eye, like I look at Remco and I recognize him and there's joy in my eye. It's so good that you're here. <laughs> and now he's ready to receive any teaching. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> no, just kidding. Sorry. Um, so, and then last night I, I, I tried to share a little bit from my heart where I, I kind of feel that the Lord is especially calling us to again come back to the place uh, that the name that we've got is connected to some of the early stuff where um, especially Carol Wimber at one point said we were just a bunch of burned out pastors who became madly in love with Jesus. Well, is there any better description of who we are? So how do we get back to that place of being madly in love with Jesus? And it felt like the Lord is saying for this next season, it's very important that the joy of the Lord is your strength to focus on enjoying, on loving, on being with Jesus. And from that place, begin to disciple and begin to bring in people, begin to love on people. Um, so today, to to continue on that question of discipling and what is it um, we've looked at 
IQ, EQ yesterday, uh, the full of fullness of who we are. But there's another part that's very clear in the Bible, and that's um, Chris Vallotton. I, I asked him, since he wrote that little booklet, which, by the way, because you're here, you can get it for free if you scan the QR code on the door there. We'll send you a copy. Um, <clears throat> Chris wrote this little booklet about SQ. And I thought, hey, wait a minute, that's interesting. Um, many people say we are spirit, soul, and body. We, we're not just... Our minds, we're more than that. There is also a spirit in us. And how does that work in discipleship? How can we be, um, how can we teach? How can we learn to be? And how can we help people to be complete in that sense? And um, both spiritually intelligent as well as emotionally and intellectually intelligent. So um, I asked him, could you teach on that? And it was impossible to come over because of the corona restrictions when we asked him. Right now, maybe it would have been easier. Although the question is if he would have been able to come back <laughs> because as our countries are turning red, it's very uh, possible that the uh, uh, restrictions for people flying back into the US would, would become more severe. So we decided he would record a message to us. So we do it in two parts. First of all, um, we have, a, have a, a longer part than we have a, a pee break or tea break or whatever you want to do. <laughs> and uh, of a small one, 15 minutes, and then we do the second part. And then we're going to have time for lunch. And then after lunch, we're going to get back to, uh, to worship again and to take lots of time to minister to one another. Now, I want to introduce um, Chris a little bit to you. Um, <clears throat> I, I uh, have been very blessed by much of his ministry, and I've also been very confused by some of his ministry, like some of you have, may have been, <laughs> which sometimes is not necessarily bad. But one of the, one of the most impressive moments I found was <clears throat> um, his ministry is that of a prophetic teacher. That's probably the two charismas that you see most in his ministry. He's very prophetic, but also he's an, an, an educator, a teacher. And uh, in that prophetic area, they, there's a lot of boldness. Like many American prophets, there's a lot of boldness. So even predicting that a president or prophesying that someone will be elected to president is not strange in, that, uh, in those ministries. <clears throat> but what do you do when you're wrong? And that's one of the things that I really appreciated recently about him. I think of all those prophetic ministries that announced Trump to be reelected and were wrong, there were only, I thought one, but recently I heard there were two prophets that actually stood up and said, I was wrong publicly. And he did. And the interesting thing, he was persecuted for that, for saying I was wrong quite a bit. Uh, I hear he's, he's gotten a lot of fan mail since then, <laughs> of fans who are not happy. <laughs> so it, it takes something to, to do that, which um, uh, shows integrity. I think uh, he, he did what he taught, uh, even though I wouldn't advise any of you to prophesy who will be the next prime minister in our country, or especially here in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> I will not believe you. <laughs> and I, I would suggest that you prophesy about other things like, uh, well, <clears throat> anyway, um, so 
I just wanted to share this because the, those developments that have been going on could could make you question integrity. But I, I felt we felt it would be good to ask Chris anyway because there's a lot of good teaching coming f uh, from from his ministry, and we especially because of these events and the way he responded and the way he humbled himself and confessed, uh, asked forgiveness even to publicly. on It's still on Instagram, on his Instagram. You can watch that clip of where he does that. Um, <clears throat> because of that, I think his integrity is in place. And uh, that's why I want to commend him to you. Now, Chris is, is a Bethel pastor. Uh, Bethel is a different family than Vineyard. So some of the things that he will say, he will say in different colors, tones of voice, or he, he'll use different words. But you are leaders. You, you know who you are. You can listen through that and pick up what... Wimber would always say, eat the meat and spit out the bones. <laughs> so... That's your assignment today. <laughs> Eat the meat and spit out the bones. So, Hi, Chris Ballatin here from Bethel Church in Redding, California. I'm so excited to talk to the Vineyard leaders. Man, it's been a long time since I've been there in your country. And uh, when they asked me if I could uh, share with you guys, I'm, I'm super excited about it. We're going to talk about spiritual intelligence today. And that is, I wrote a book about spiritual intelligence. And it's uh, a subject that I'm actually passionate about. So let's just jump right in. I want to first tell you a story about spiritual intelligence. When Bill Johnson came to our little church in Weaverville, California, which is just a little town of 3,000 in the mountains of California, we were, had a church of about 40 people. And Bill would come and he would teach in the morning. And then in the evening, we would have a group of about 10 or 15 of us that would actually do activations. We'd actually practice the things that Bill was teaching uh, and that we were learning during the day. And so I, uh, we were, we were, Bill was going through this series on the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit. And at the same time, I owned an auto repair and auto truck uh, company where we would repair trucks and, and cars. And our largest account was a, uh, a large uh, Sierra Pacific truck they had 40 trucks and i was our company was tasked with taking care of them so every year they out of these 40 trucks they would rotate like 10 trucks at a time out and buy like 10 new ones and so they just bought these brand new trucks that uh chevy trucks and these were like this is like in 1980s and this is when they first started putting computer systems on automobiles and trucks and so i was tasked with taking care of those trucks and we we, again, this, this was a mountain community about an hour from society. So the closest dealership, uh, Chevy dealership, was an, at least an hour away. And so I, uh, they brought in one of these brand new trucks. It had like 100, maybe 200 miles on it. They brought it in on a tow truck and it wouldn't start. And so I worked on it for a day. And then I said to the, to the fleet manager, hey, you should just take this truck down to the dealership an hour from us because it's under warranty. And he said, I got 10 more of these. Are you kidding me? I'd be, I'd be towing trucks down there every week. The, the kind of problems we've been having, you just fix it. So I worked on that truck for four days and could not figure out what was wrong with it. I was very, I, I've been blessed with a, a relationship with the Chevy dealer and with the, uh, with the, with the truck mechanic that actually worked on computers, the, the technician. And I was on the phone with him several times. They, 
sent me the wiring diagram for the truck and uh, and helped walk me through it. And the two of us together, the tech at the dealership and myself, we could not figure out what was wrong with it. And so uh, finally, this was Friday. So I think they towed it in on a Tuesday. And Friday, you know, he comes and he's like, hey, we really need this truck by next Tuesday. And I'm like, doing my best, you know, well, we'll, we'll get it done. Anyway, I worked on it Saturday and then Sunday was church. And so I was in church and that day, as I was telling you, Bill was teaching on the gifts of the spirit. And that night we were actually doing an activation on words of knowledge. And a word of knowledge is information that you got by the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like Google God, you know, like God gives you the information. You could have got it somewhere else, but you actually got it by by the by the uh, unction by of the Holy Spirit. So anyway, we're, we're doing these words of knowledge and it was kind of looked like this. There's like 15 of us and, you know, we were doing this like, hey, I feel like somebody's got a problem with their right knee. And, you know, there's only 15 of us or 10 or 15 of us. So somebody's like, yeah, that's me. I got a problem. And then we were pray for the right knee. So we're kind of doing words of knowledge with healing. And and I, I, I wasn't really like engaged in the in the exercise very much because all I could think of is like I have one more day to fix that stupid truck that's been in my shop for five days. And anyway, while we were going through these exercises and using words of knowledge to see people healed, using words of knowledge to help people move their lives forward, I, I started having this question like, what would it be like for to use a word of knowledge to see a truck, you know, see, <laughs> I was gonna say saved, but see a truck repaired. And I couldn't get it out of my mind. So Monday I went back and I was working on the truck and another day, couldn't figure it out. And that night I said to the team like, hey, I'm gonna come back in the evening and, and work on this truck after dinner when everybody, when the shop is closed. So just leave a truck in the bay. So they pushed the truck back in the bay and I, I, I went home that night, had dinner, came back late, late in the evening. And I'm like, all right, what does it look like to get a word of knowledge for a truck? Cause I had never done anything like that before. And I, uh, I came in the shop and there was nobody there, of course, it was nighttime. And I put my hands on the fender and I said, Holy Spirit, show me what's wrong with this truck. And suddenly I got this picture in my mind and this, uh, and this thought went through my mind. There's a broken wire on the, under the right fender of the truck. The wire is broken off of a diode. And I'm like, hmm. So I was like, well, that's kind of weird. That's a weird thought. But then I had this other thought like, well, I've been working on this truck for five days. I have the wiring diagram, which does not show a wire on the right front fender or a diode. So why would I even think that thought? Like, why would I, why would it even occur to me to have a thought like that? Well, it can't hurt. So I took the truck and put it on the, on the rack and I took it up in the air. And I got a flashlight and I looked up under the right front fender and it was all uh, this black undercoating, like uh, rubber undercoating. And I looked up there and sure enough, there was a wire broke off of a, a component. I soldered the wire back on and the truck started right up. And that was the beginning for me of realizing that the Holy Spirit is the mechanic of mechanics. He's the technician of technicians, the electrician of electricians, the physician of physicians, the father of fathers, the genius of geniuses, the scientists of scientists, and you get the idea. He is the most brilliant person that's never been born. He knows everything about everything. He is G-O-D, he is God. And so I wanna to talk to you a little bit about spiritual intelligence. 
And as you probably have already heard in the in, in the conference we're doing, this leadership conference, there is IQ and there is EQ, emotional intelligence. And now I want to talk about SQ, spiritual quotient, spiritual intelligence. And I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. So it's Romans 12, and we're going to start from verse 2. And this is a verse that you probably know well, and it begins like this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hmm. You know, you can't change your life, but if you change your mind, God will change your life. The renewed mind thinks like God. Okay, I want to say this one more time. The renewed mind thinks, we think, how do we know when we have a renewed mind? We think like, and this is a key word, like, like God. We think like God. When our mind's renewed, we actually think like God. And I want to give you seven symptoms of renewed mind. Like, how do I know if my mind is actually renewed? How do I even know if I have a renewed mind? I found Jesus. I read my Bible. I pray. How do I know if my mind's renewed? And here's just seven symptoms or, or effects or side effects of a renewed mind. Again, I want to be clear. There's a lot more than seven, but these are just seven that I came up with. The first one is, you know your mind's transformed when you live in hope. You live in hope. And I love this quote. Bill said, any thought in your mind that doesn't inspire hope is rooted in a lie. So the opposite of that is the foreboding spirit. That's like, that's the symptom. Like it always feels like something's about to go wrong. There's, I, I may be having a good day, but in the back of my mind, a bad day is coming. But Romans 12, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 28, you probably know this verse, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I'd like to point out if it, if it isn't good, listen, all things work together for good in the end. If it isn't good, then it's not the end. Number two, how do I know if I have a transformed mind? Number two, the impossible seems reasonable. The impossible seems reasonable. Jesus said, when he said, go out and heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and say, the kingdom has come near you. And then he goes on to say in Mark chapter 16, these signs will follow those who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. Signs. Why is a sign, why is healing, for example, one of them is healing. Why is healing a sign. Why isn't it just a healing? I'd propose that healing is a sign because of the way that people get healed. What do you mean by that? I mean that the way somebody actually gets healed, the way a healing happens, is a superior, superior ecosystem, the third heaven, God's world, superimposes itself over an inferior ecosystem, we call this the first heaven. We'll be talking more about that later. And a kingdom that has no sickness, that has no sin, that has no pain, that has no negative effects, has just superimposed itself over a 
if you will, a heaven, a second, a first heaven, or the earth realm that has sickness and pain and disease and and so on and so forth. And when Jesus heals somebody, the reason they got healed is because the kingdom of God actually superimposed itself over the kingdom of this world. So signs, healings are actually a sign because of the way the healing happened. That a superior, can I say this, a superior law of physics in the God's third heaven superimpose itself over an inferior laws of physics or law of physics in the first heaven. It's kind of what happens in a metaphoric way when the law of when the law of lift overcomes uh, the law of gravity and a plane flies. What happened? There's a law of there's a law of gravity that says, hey, whatever goes up must come down. But then there's the law of lift that transcends the law of gravity. This is this is the impossible that seems reasonable. Number three, how do I know if I have renewed mind? You live in peace and you don't worry. You live in peace and you don't worry. And your speculations are positive. Your speculations are positive. What is a speculation? It is the what if of life. What if? What if? Second um, uh, Corinthians chapter 10 says, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. And then he gives us three strongholds, thoughts, speculations, and lofty things. What is the speculation? It is the what ifs of God. I mean, the what ifs of the world. And you know that your mind's renewed when your what ifs, like if your daughter comes home late for school, like she's, she's late coming home from school, and you think, well, maybe somebody kidnapped her. Maybe she got run over by a car. The what ifs. The what ifs. But when those what ifs are positive, like maybe her principal took her aside and gave her the student of the year award. Those are positive speculations. The what ifs of God are positive, And we that's how we know that our mind is renewed, is that we have positive what ifs. Okay, the next one, number four. How do I know if my mind is renewed? How do I know if I'm living with a transformed mind? You like yourself and you rejoice in your weakness, knowing that when and where you're weak, he is strong. I, I want to emphasize this one because I believe that there are so there's so much emphasis on taking these different kinds of tests. Like in America, we have the uh, I think it's the the DIS test now. We have the um, you know the the strength finders test. We have the Enneagram Enneagram test now. We have all these tests, and they're all about like how do I find my strengths? And I think it, I think they're wonderful. But I want to say that you are not just your strengths. You are also your divinely. Did you hear the word divinely? Place weaknesses. Like literally when God created you, he created you with weakness on purpose. Now, I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about areas that you suck at, areas that you're not good at. And you're like, why would he do that? Because when and where you're weak, he is strong. God actually uses you in your weakness. I'd like to point it out to you. For example, the Apostle Paul is an expert in Jewish law. He was a former Pharisee 
trained by one of the top rabbis in the history of the world at the time. But when he got saved and God put him in leadership, who did he lead? He didn't lead the Jews, whom he was an expert in. He led the Gentiles, in whom were his enemies, and who were Israel's enemies for 4,000 years. Like, literally, God told Joshua to eradicate the Gentiles, and, you know, they were, they were, they were the other in the whole book of, you know, in the whole Old Testament. They were, you know, they, the Jews were like the frozen chosen, and these guys were the radical people who were outside the commonwealth of God. And, and yet, when Paul gets saved, and the Gentiles begin to get saved, the Lord said, okay, Paul, you're an expert in Jewish law. You don't know anything about Gentiles. I'll put you over the Gentiles. Why did he do that? Because God actually uses us more often in our weakness than he does our strength. And when I have a renewed mind, when I have a transformed mind, I realize that I can do all things, not because I have great training, not because I have, you know, not because I have a brilliant mind, not because I'm you know, stronger, better, faster, more persevering, have better character than everybody else. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Number five, how do I know if I have a transformed mind? You're quick to forgive and you freely give grace and mercy to people. You're quick to forgive. This is huge in the culture we live in right now because it feels like, it feels like everyone's offended. <laughs> It feels like everyone's got an opinion. If you so, if you if you post anything on social media, like there's you know, twenty people who want to tell you you're wrong, you're offended, you're prejudiced, you're homophobic, you're this, you're that, and and everybody seems angst and and of and is carrying around a chip on their shoulder, and yet you know you have a transformed mind when you are quick to forgive, when you love your enemies. When you pray for those who persecute you, when you don't protect yourself, but you protect the integrity of people who don't like you. Number six, how do you know if you have a transformed mind? You are confident and you are thankful. You are confident and thankful. Listen, I'm talking to leaders today, so let me just emphasize this point. John Maxwell says this. He said, when leaders lack confidence, people lack commitment. I said to our students, this was last year, I said, you, you don't have the luxury as a leader, when you're a leader, you don't have the luxury as a leader and when you're a leader of, being, of not being confident in front of the people. Like people need a leader who is confident. And I believe that confidence is rooted in faith. And when you have a renewed mind, you actually, you actually have confidence that's rooted in God and you're like, I'm going to get out of this boat and I'm going to walk on water. And thankfulness is how I know that, I, that my confidence isn't arrogance. Because the difference between confidence and arrogance is such a fine line. It, it, it's sometimes hard to tell when somebody is confident or when they're arrogant. But the way that you know in your own life, whether you're confident or arrogant, is are you thankful? Do you hold gratitude in your life? It's very difficult to be arrogant and to be thankful because thankfulness says, I owe gratitude to someone else, to something else, 
to God himself. And the last one is this. You believe in others and you give them the benefit of the doubt. Hmm. This is big to me. You believe in others and you give them a benefit of the doubt. I want to say that this. I want to say it's important that we believe in people. We believe in people. And here's the key. Keyword is before, before they deserve it. That we believe in people before they deserve it. This is the power of faith in people. Listen, I got transformed when I, I got saved when Jesus believed in me. Now I start all over. I got saved when I believed in Jesus. But I got transformed when I realized he believed in me. And this is a part of leadership that I think is so important, especially among, uh, among leaders who are disciples of Christ. Because here's the deal. Jesus believed in people before they deserve it. How do you know that? Well, he made Judas, who was a thief, the treasurer of the ministry. Well, why did Jesus make Judas, who was a known thief. Like, I understand if Jesus didn't know Judas was stealing, that's a different lesson. But the Bible is very clear that Jesus knew that Judas was a thief. And it says that Jesus put him in charge of the money box. Why would you take the guy who's a thief and put him in charge of the money box? I propose it's because Jesus had a culture of leadership in which he trusted people before they actually deserved it. He, he had faith in God and he had faith that God was transforming people. And the leadership culture that caused 11 men to become world changers caused one man to hang himself. Listen, I want to speak to leaders right now. Part of the way that we lead is to actually think differently than other world leaders. In that we actually have faith in people. Listen, the culture that caused 11 men to become world changers and history makers. Like the world is still talking about these 11 men. You have a Bible in your hand because of these 11 men. Yes, there was more later. There, you know, Apostle Paul wasn't numbered among the 11. I get all that. But my point is, is that Jesus believed in people before they deserved it. What caused one man to hang himself is the same culture that caused 11 men to actually be world changers. I know we have all kinds of conversations around, oh, Jesus picked the weak of the earth. Jesus went up on the mountain and prayed about who to choose out of all these thousands of followers. And I believe that Jesus chose the, 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 the best, I was going to say the brightest. I don't know if they were the brightest, but they were the best choice. And his choices of men still reverberate into our generations in that these men, whether educated or not, whether wealthy or poor, whether activists or passive, these, these 11 men, they actually became the foundation of the church and added Matthias later on. They, these, those 12 became the foundation of the church in which we are still building on. These men were not, these men were not broken men. These are men that Jesus changed. And I want to say this too that Peter and Judas both denied Christ. Peter denied him three times. One hung himself, and the other became the leader of the church in the first century. 
What's your point, Chris? I, I feel like part of what we do is we teach people how to fail successfully and we know each other after the spirit. I, I, I want to I point out this, this uh, principle that we are living under right now. I believe that the Lord wants us to, he wants us to live, he wants us to live future present and not past present. He wants us to live future present, not past present. He, we're going through this huge metamorphosis. We're moving from caterpillar to butterfly. We're in the cocoon stage where the caterpillar literally solidifies. He, he dies and solidifies in the cocoon germinates and and rises as a butterfly we need to know each other second corinthians 5 16 after the spirit this is all part of the renewed mind second corinthians 5 17 said if any man be in christ he's a new creation but second corinthians 16 says we know each other no longer after the flesh we knew jesus once that way but we know him that way no longer and the point is is that we're learning through the renewed mind how to relate to one another, if you will, future present instead of past present, future present being caterpillar, you know, to cocoon instead of, you know, instead of knowing each other as the worm, as the caterpillar, we're knowing each other as the butterfly. And this is all part of the prophetic culture that we're building together. Now I want to talk a little bit about neural pathways and what is actually happening when we have a renewed mind. Your mind is actually wired to use the least amount of energy possible to come to a conclusion. And what I mean by that, and what I'm, what I'm getting at is, when we're talking about a renewed mind, what does it actually look like to have a renewed mind? Let me explain it like this. I read a, uh, I read a book on neuroscience some years ago, and this author, I think the author's name was Carolyn Leaf, and she made the statement that to picture neural pathways, neural pathways are highways that thoughts travel on. She said, think of a block of cheese and think of a hot marble that you drop through the cheese and it makes this pathway through the cheese. Your thoughts travel on these highways called neural pathways. When we're talking about renewing your mind, we're actually talking about building new neural pathways to the mind of Christ. And what, if you think about your mind for a minute like a jungle, like let's pretend that your mind is a, is a great big jungle full of vegetation. And when you walk through it the first time, of course you have to kind of cut, cut a walking trail. And every time you walk through that jungle, you widen that pathway. Think about it like now, now let's think about it like it is. Thoughts, run on pathways. Every time I have a thought, it creates a pathway. Every time I have that repeated thought, it widens the pathway. If you think about, for instance, we talked about that foreboding spirit. If I, if I say, well, something's about to go wrong. Oh, my daughter's late from school. I bet you something went wrong. Oh, my husband, my, I saw my husband, you know, talking to another woman. Oh, something's about to go wrong. Oh, my my car wouldn't start today. Oh, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be this big bill. Every time I think those kind of thoughts, I am widening the pathway until metaphorically I have a six lane highway or freeway through my mind to the thought that something's about to go wrong. Now, 
what happens when I'm renewing my mind? Well, neurologically, what's actually happening is I'm building new neural pathways. I'm building new roads in my mind. If I stay with that metaphor of our, our mind being like a jungle, when I have, when something goes wrong in my life, like my daughter's late coming home from school, and, and my mind goes to, oh, you know what, she must have got abducted, something terrible happened. And I go, no, 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 I'm going to renew my mind, like Joshua said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. Then you'll make your way prosperous, you'll have success. He talks about meditation, that word meditation is the word, it's word hegath, and it means to growl like a lion. What I'm doing when I when I take when I get off the 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 on when I get off the off ramp of something's about to go wrong, and I get on the on ramp of, hey God, all things work together for good for those who love God, and I begin to say to myself, no no no, something's not about to go wrong. Something's about to go right. I am hacking new pathways, if you will. I am building a new path through the jungle of my mind. What happens is, is that once I have a good thought about something, for instance, I have hope. Every time I have a hope thought, I am widening the pathway. If I stop going down the foreboding highway, I don't take the highway to the foreboding town, but I get off that off-ramp and I begin to take the highway to hope, Every time I do that, I'm building a wider, wider freeway. And while I'm building that freeway, something else is happening to the vegetation on the road that I'm not taking. It's not being traveled. So that vegetation is, if you will, it's a metaphor. It's growing back and it's making it harder to go that way and easier to go this way. When I think, when I get a, when I get a highway to a way of thinking, that's called a mindset. And this is all part of what God's doing in you and in me. We are renewing our minds in God so that we think like God. Okay, we're going to do another session in a little while. God bless you. I'll catch you in a little bit. And we'll talk more about spiritual intelligence.